spaceship and he's got this portal window and he's looking out of it and he sees the curvature of the earth for the first time and then all of a sudden this strange ticking it's coming out of the dashboard okay, yeah. <laughs> but he can't find it he can't stop it he keeps going Welcome, everybody. Hi. The only thing to do is to fall in love with the sound. Faith comes by hearing. Final words of Jesus. Let he who has ears here.
Just put your mouth up to the watering hole of the lamp. Where is the watering hole of the lamp? Where the soldier's spear went into his side. That is the fountain of salvation. <laughs> By faith, put your mouth up to his spirit side and drink the fresh glory. Total dependency on those rivers of blood and water. the world has done to you. All that matters is what Jesus is doing to you now. Keep receiving the rivers of glory from his spirit side. Drink the fountain of the Lamb. restored daily I don't care if you were saved yesterday that don't matter it ain't yesterday it's always now don't even talk about the past that's actually quite immature you live in the current salvation in the current in the torrent of the current, currently flowing from his throne. The lamb that was slain standing in the midst of the throne. Fresh blood, fresh water, flowing from the throne every moment. It doesn't matter if you drank yesterday. You got to drink today. It is always today. Salvation is called today. Today is the day of salvation. It's fresh daily. Fresh glory. Fresh anointing. Fresh oil. Fresh grace. Fresh love. No matter what you experienced yesterday or last week, what are you drinking right now? It's like one of my dearest friends told me today, it's not in the then, then. It's in the now, now. <laughs> and just as it is, it is written in the movie 50 First Dates. Receive your first love, first kiss again today. And again, like brand new tomorrow and the next day. Starting right now. Experience the joy of love's first kiss again and again every day. Brand new. A disciple has mastered time to always live in the now word. What is the now word? The spirit and the bride say come and drink. Let he who has ears to hear, hear what the spirit and the bride say. Come and drink. Come and drink, 
and drink again and keep drinking. Never stop. Do you realize that's the only thing Revelation says to hear? Let the spirit and the bride be heard by the ears of your spirit, your heart. Let your heart drink the glory of God. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. Just receive it. Drink, drink, drink. Compromise Nazarites of the new wine. You hear all the excuses, but, but, but God created the green herb. God created the green herb. Paul told Timothy to drink some wine for his belly. Man, you need to get born again right now. You are opposing the Spirit of God because of your compromise. The Nazarites are your leaders like they have been in every great movement of the Spirit throughout the entire timeline of God. What is the Nazarite? Sets him apart from drugs and alcohol for God's drugs and alcohol. Simple as that. Your leaders have always been Nazarites. John the Baptist, Nazarite. Ezekiel, Nazarite. Samuel, Nazarite. Adam, Nazarite. Jesus, Nazarite. Paul, Nazarite. Bow two times, Book of Acts. But, 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 Nazarites of the new wine, no excuses, you don't have to be a Nazarite, but your leaders always have been and always will be. He shall be called a Nazarene. coming to Samson's parents. This child is special. He shall drink no alcoholic beverages his entire life and no razor shall touch his head. What does it mean? Set apart for God, for the spirit, for the new wine, for the power and the spirit of might. Same thing with Samuel. Same thing with Ezekiel. Same thing with John the Baptist. <laughs> What is the standard of the scriptures for true leaders of all the judges, all the high priests from Genesis to Revelation? They had to be Nazarites. Not even an option. You don't have to be, but your leaders must be Nazarites. Otherwise, there'd be no new wine for the people to drink. Listen, it's not about condemning right and wrong. 
That's religion. It's about bringing the new wine, which is righteousness. Righteousness is not the knowledge of good and evil. That's religion. Righteousness is a river of new wine that flows out of the Garden of Eden from the vineyards of God the Father. The Father's righteousness is a river of new wine. You can drink as much as you want. The priests have to be set apart from drugs and alcohol. Not optional. Otherwise, you can go out there and just do whatever you want because no one's forcing you to be a priest. <laughs> Your hands selected by God set apart and the angels came and set you apart and said, no drugs, no alcohol, because I want you to get really drunk in the glory, the new wine, the resurrection wine, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the friends of the bridegroom that prepare the glory of God to be drunk by the nations. Have to be set apart in extreme ways. Oh, your stance on alcohol is extreme, brother. It has to be. It has to be because of the complacency in the church. The extremities of holiness, the extremities of the Nazarite, no one in the nation could do it. The angels had to come and do the grace upon the children set apart to be Nazarites from birth. It takes so much grace to be a Nazarite, to be a judge, to be a leader, to bring the cup of the everlasting covenant. <laughs> Amen. And that is the cup we bring you every day at Joel's Bar. Because that's the cup of salvation. It's the cup of the new covenant. <laughs> and it takes extreme holiness. Not our own holiness, because no man or woman is holy. That's just religion. The holiness of Jesus hand-selecting people will be completely consumed by his gift of his holiness. Wow. The standard of the Lord Jesus is so extreme. Few have ever walked in this holy of holies glory. <laughs> but as you begin to taste it, pouring into you, it changes your mind and opinion on everything. Come on. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I gotta give a testimony to that for anyone who's not sure. You're kind of on the fence, but you're not sure how. I used to drink alcohol. I mean, like all the alcohol, all the beer, the tequila, uh, all the Jack Daniels, all the moonshine. You name it, we drank it. All of that. We smoked some good weed. I know the entanglement and, and you want to feel high. I promise you, I was skeptical when I first found this. Oh my God, just try it. Just try it one time. Just not half-ass try it. Just go all in and try it. You will be shocked. It is absolutely amazing. The most intoxicating. I've tasted the nicest wines and champagnes in my life. It, this is far more intoxicating. It's amazing. It's got, it's got like amazing intoxicating drug side effects the new wine you will literally lose your desire for alcohol and drugs it'll be so much less pleasurable than the new wine and the drugs of heaven you'll feel like you've been ripped off your entire life because you have been that's all we've known it was shocking you feel that intoxication the side and with the amazing side effects like happiness joy Heart healing, laughter, <laughs> peace. Salvation. Yeah, the joy of salvation. It's amazing. So if you're on the fence, I just want to encourage you, get really drunk. Get in the scripture. Get in the word. Watch Joel's bar. Just do it by faith. Inhale the word of God and just let it intoxicate you. And let all the lesser pleasures just fall off. Alcohol is a mocker. And so clearly anyone mocking the Nazarites drinks alcohol. You know, Proverbs says alcohol is a mocker. <laughs> they mock your holiness because they haven't had your encounters with God and they're full of Satan's unbelief. And so 
That's already condemned inside the fallen angels. What we're bringing is salvation to your condemnation of the doubt, unbelief, and mocking of the demons inside so many drug addicts of this generation. And so the cup of salvation is unknown to them because they're still drinking the cup of the mockers. Mockers, the Bible calls them. Genesis 27, 28. And may God give you of the dew of the heavens and of the fatness of the earth and abundance of grain and new wine. Amen. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Woo. Deuteronomy 12, 17. You may not eat within your towns the tithes of your grain or of your new wine or of your oil or the firstlings of your herd or flock or anything you have vowed or your free will offerings or the offerings from your hand of the garden products for they are for the priests of the Lord. Aren't you glad you got God's scriptures to steer your life in this direction of success? The Bible talks about new wine all the time. We got a Bible bliss report on our website too. Wow. And the vine, grapevine replied, should I leave my new wine? which rejoices God and man, Judges 9.13, and go to the wave over the trees. Shall I leave my new wine? Shall I come out of the glory of the Garden of Eden, the vineyards of heaven, to drink alcohol? <laughs> Shall I backslide into the earth's substances, I'm not saying don't enjoy good food and drink. Because it says in Ezekiel, the priest shall eat the finest food in the land. It's not, so you need some wisdom. You can't just say, oh, well, then throw it all away and don't have any fun on earth. I mean, that's just foolishness. What God is saying is, what intoxicates you must be my presence, says the Lord. What satisfies the pleasure of your soul must be my spirit of glory and it cannot be Satan's fallen angel sorcery. That's what we're saying. What brings you pleasure is your God right now. And since we got winos in RLM, we got closet alcoholics, we have closet drug addicts, potheads everywhere because the world's like that and they believe in Jesus but they mix the world with heaven and so they're partially saved. That's offensive, but it's the truth anyhow. You're partially saved. The area of you that's sanctified is saved. The area of you in darkness is not saved. That part of your soul is not experiencing heaven, is not in heaven, is still in Satan's kingdom. Realize the wilderness was getting Egypt, Satan's kingdom, out of the Israelites for them to go fully, physically, in the heaven called the promised land. So all of us are in a place of sanctification of getting Satan, his ways, his drugs, his alcohol out of us because we don't have any grid for the promised land enjoyment of at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. And since you don't live at his right hand physically, but somewhat spiritually, you still have the world in you physically. That means your body is not saved, and that's why you're aging and dying. Truth in you. So the death that's swallowed up as the last curse, according to Scripture, is bringing your body, your bones, into Zion. That requires your flesh to be completely addicted to the glory of the new wine, and heaven to become your pleasure. Otherwise, if you only have it in spirit, you'll live a spiritual life. 
but it will never be made to your flesh and you'll physically die and fly out of your body. But there's a generation predestined foreordained who overcome death in the flesh. You overcame death in the spirit when you believed in Jesus, but you still fill your flesh with death anytime you drink alcohol, anytime you sin with your eyes, anytime you're greedy with your money, anytime you're disobedient in any way, shape, or form. So Jesus is the only one who can be obedient in our flesh, just like Jesus is the only one who can be obedient in our spirit. So the difference between salvation in the spirit and salvation in the flesh is you'll look like you're young at a hundred. You won't have physical problems in your flesh while you live on earth. You have perfect health like Adam did till he was 900 years old. Come on. Oh, is this possible? Do you realize Moses in Deuteronomy 34 had not one wrinkle on his face at age 120? Moses in the Old Covenant overcame death. The Bible says that. And because the Old Covenant was flawed and Moses broke his own law, he had to die. But because he had known God face to face in the fullness of his glory, <laughs> he couldn't die unless God took him. So God took him. It's true. God is not going to take you. This is the generation that walks in the fullness of salvation, not just in spirit, but in soul, mind, and bones. This is the promised land generation. Prophets have been prophesying it for a hundred years. Now you're learning the knowledge of the promised land, and it is offensive to the things killing you. There are things in your life of the wilderness that are killing you. And you have a hundred excuses why you can keep killing yourself. We all do. That's pride in us. Pride is our excuses why I can continue hurting myself instead of helping myself because we don't know the ways of God into the promised land of overcoming death physically. And that's completely obvious. You can't post anything about drugs and alcohol without 30 people freaking out and saying all the verses from the Bible that make it okay to smoke weed and drink alcohol. I mean, you got to be completely demon-possessed to defend drugs and alcohol, first of all. Secondly, you need the understanding of what we're pioneering in the promised land, something more pleasurable in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And just because you don't have faith for it, don't become the enemies who are of the people that are pioneering your nation's salvation. We are forerunners of physical salvation. That's what the ecstasies of God are. You are forerunning the pleasures of the Garden of Eden, forerunning the river of your salvation, the river in your spirit, the river in your soul, the river in your mind and the river in your bones, all of them are clearing up. And they are different rivers. The Bible doesn't say out of your belly flows one river. The Bible says out of your belly flows rivers, plural, many rivers. Why? Because there's many dimensions of your existence. Spirit dimension, soul, blood dimension. There's a blood dimension, the life dimension of the blood the dimension of the animal's blood. There's a mind dimension. These are different dimensions of your existence, and then there's a bone dimension. Scripture speaks of blood, speaks of mind, speaks of bone, speaks of blood, and it speaks of spirit. Many different dimensions that your creation exists in simultaneously, and all of you that believe in Jesus have some light in some of those dimensions. But any dimension that doesn't have the fullness of his transfigured light in it is still in darkness. The truth is, every area of our soul that doesn't have the lights turned on 
by revelation, the word of God, <laughs> has demons in it. Are you demonized? Yes, you are. Every single one of you are still having demonic influence in areas where you don't have revelation. If anyone says they're without sin, they make God to be a liar. So what do you need? More humility for more of him and less of you in areas of compromise in the rooms of your soul. Teresa of Avila was 100% accurate when she wrote The Interior Castle. And she says, every room of the soul has reptiles in it until the light of Jesus enters the door of that room. It's true. So, Jesus will come in to new areas. That's why you got to stay desperate every day because there are tons of areas of your soul that you are not saved in, <laughs> that you have not overcome death in, that you are aging, deca decaying, and dying in. His body will never see decay. Whoa, then why do our bodies see decay? Why do Christians' bodies still see decay? Because we're not saved in our flesh. Otherwise, you can't decay. Jesus' body has never seen decay. That's a scripture. <laughs> there is no decay in his flesh, in his bones. Now, it will take the spirit and the angels to work miraculously in the areas of your soul that you currently have reptiles in to remove decay, aging, and death from all of us. So we're all in this together. Don't be like, oh, I'm already there yet. I'm a super apostle. I've already overcome it. No, you guys catch up. That ain't it. Priesthood is servant of all. Serving all the same exact desperation. You lift up all humanity into this salvation. I'm not even just lifting up the Christians. I'm lifting up the nations. The nations are your inheritance. And the na nations does not distinguish between believer and unbeliever. Our reign of love falls upon the believer and the unbeliever. The mocker and the honorable. Both. I will serve the same substance of Jesus Christ to the mocker, to the enemy, as to the lover and the honorable. Because God's some substance does not change depending on your sin. It's called agape unconditional love. He will not change what's coming out of his throne simply because of some sin and darkness you have in your brain. Because you got a big demon and they got a little demon, so God's more severe with you than he is with that. That ain't how God works. It's the love for everyone. God so loved the world, the love towards the world, which is the river of life. <laughs> the river of life is still conquering many, many new parts of your heart, mind, soul, and your 206 bones that are computers that have the record of the heavens and the celestial realm. The celestial realm is worn in the bones. Adam and Eve fell out of the heavens like the angels and lost the stars and the record of the stars in their bones. But that record is dormant, buried 6,000 years deep under soil and dirt in all 206 of every one of your body's bones right now. That you carry the record of celestial garment dormant in your bones and out of the bones will come the overcoming of death in the flesh, decay and disease in the flesh. All of the record of God the Father in Adam's race and God created Adam and Eve perfect. How is he repristining Adam and Eve? Through the Spirit. <laughs> so that you might know the Father as he restores your soul. Your soul is your heart, which is your emotions, your brain, your thoughts, your mind. And your spinal cord is your will, your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul. <laughs> and your soul gets restored by God working in your heart, brain, and spine. The spine has 33 vertebrae. 
which are the 33 rings of the tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life. How many years does Luke say he was on earth? It says that Jesus of Nazareth was 33 years old when he ascended into heaven. Why? For the will of man, the 33 vertebrae, to be straightened back to God the Father and for the tree of life to be restored in the garden of the earth, on earth as it is in heaven, came through Jesus' spine, burning by the spirit of fire, the spirit of glory, through your spinal cords to release the tree of life, which is an electrical tree. Life is in the blood. Blood is congealed life. So it's an electricity of life that will burn through your spinal cord. What is the purpose and function of the spine? It brings electricity into the body. It's all about electricity. And there are varying degrees of power, electricity. When you heal a sickness and disease, you feel electricity, you feel buzzing, you feel fire. It's all energy. You are an energy and electrical being. Your heart pumps out electricity. And so you're healing the electricity. You have corrupted electricity because we have given the energy of the stars and the heavens to the fallen angels, which was the contract of Adam and Eve to Satan in the beginning. The curse of the fall was to give our electrical grid to the demons. And they did. So that we've been under fallen angel electricity so that our neurons and our brains, the battlefield of the mind, is hearing unclean thoughts, judgmental, critical thoughts of others. You understand that's a supernatural miracle to think a negative thought against someone. It's a demonic miracle. That did not come from your brain. Your brain got shot with an arrow of accusation from a spirit of the kingdom of hell that made you think negatively towards another person. Every single thought that you have in your brain comes from heaven or hell every moment. All the negative comes from hell, all the positive comes from heaven, and our brains are the battlefield of the direction and the course of all souls on earth. That's why you're transfigured by the renewing of the mind, the brain, so that you win the battlefields. What makes you more than conquerors? What makes you champions of grace? What makes you overcomers? Brains that are fully controlled by the river of life, that have risen above the battlefield of 200 million lying evil spirits, former angels that are trying to kill, steal, and destroy you from the moment you're born in your mother's womb. Hello? It's called reality. You born into a war zone, and now you're born again. Now you get a sword. I have come to bring war, not peace, Jesus said. Amen. Why? Because you were born powerless of the flesh to the demon spirits that programmed your brain in fallen angel electricity. There's an actual electrical grid, like a matrix, that keeps prisoners in their souls bound to lies. That's why these people are like hypnotized, total zombies. Totally brainwashed on CNN. I mean, it is so sick and sad to see people so brainwashed by lies, but it's everywhere. If you're honest with yourself, you're still brainwashed in areas of lies. You're not better than them. If anything, get into the water and learn how to wash others. Get into divine love to give them a drink and get them washed of lies. Everyone, including you and I, is still coming out of awesome lies of Satan and his angels. It's just amazing the amount of lies in Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great means great lies. Potent sorcery means intense lies. You're entirely baptized in liquid lies. Talk about liquid love. You need to be talking about liquid lies and dealing with the kingdom of hell. Other, otherwise, a person can't get saved out of anything. Why is the Son of God made manifest to destroy the works of the devil? Who's the devil? The father of lies. Are lies getting fathered in you? Or is glory getting fathered in you? Both, if you're honest with yourself. Every single one of us. Both. <laughs> no, not me. Especially you. Especially you. 
That pride is about as demonic as the fallen angels get. <laughs> and so it breaks us down for a full understanding of the depravity of humanity. Humanity is but a river of dirt. A mature one in the river isn't, oh, in the deep of the river. I'm in the deep places of the river. I'm in the deep places of the living water. Yeah, that's nice. Have you come to the place of the deep places of the mud? The deep places of the dirt? No, you haven't. <laughs> There's a river of mud that you haven't come to grips with yet. And that's why you're still immature in Christ. Humanity is nothing but a river of mud. And that doesn't change. You will always be a river of mud. You will always be a river of dirt. But, but, no. That's pride. Don't even bring God into the equation. It is wisdom to separate man from God for understanding how desperate we are for salvation. True humility, understanding the depravity of the human condition is wisdom so that you are completely and totally desperate every moment for his river. Otherwise, you have no salvation in you. That you not take for granted one thing from God. In fact, the scripture says when the enemy comes, then God will raise the standard and come like a flood. So you're telling me only by the external testing of he who's in the world will you see the greater one in you. That's right. It's God's devil. Satan is the Lord Jesus' devil. Truth anyhow, wisdom knows that full well. That the worldly angels, the unholy angels, when they come out with lust, when they come out with pride, when they come out with temptations, and those temptations do seize you from time to time and you fail and you fall. <laughs> and then we condemn ourselves and go into little Babylonian captivity, get beat up by a spirit of condemnation on our heads. You know, that's how you learn grace. You're like, wait a second. Wait a second now. The enemy is warring against me with all kinds of smut, all kinds of dust and dirt and mud, all kinds of lust and pride continuously. It's all death. It's all lies. And it, when it seizes your souls, then you go captive of demons. So you're telling me that the grace of the Lord Jesus will come out of me in greater grace the more the enemy tempts you and when the enemy tempts you you learn how to let the gush of God out of your belly flows rivers of grace come and raise a standard and lift you above the tempter lift you above the condemner and the accuser of the brethren that's maturity because <laughs> the devil will come and tempt you I mean at least once a week if not ten times a day depending on how much you're doing for heaven or hell. Sometimes he will visit you every five years. Sometimes you'll never get a visitation your whole life because you just go the wide path of destruction with the brain submitted to the flesh. But the more you're going after God, the more you're tempted. That's why people just point a finger and accuse Todd Bentley. Oh, look at him falling all the time. Listen, Todd Bentley went after God a lot harder than almost every other Christian in the world. You don't know if you'd fall under those temptations. You probably would have ten times worse than Todd Bentley. Don't side with the accuser against anyone. We need defense attorneys and not accusers of the brethren. <laughs> there, if there is anything that's causing a person to fall, it's because they got a calling on their life for God and the enemy's trying to take them out. You see the enemy coming against RLM and its leaders like nothing in the entire world. You don't see anything like it anywhere. That means because we're going to go and do serious damage to hell, you need to be praying for us. You need to be lifting us up. You need to stop gossiping, backbiting, and participating with the snake pits of demons and start being prayer warriors. Start going after hell. If you see hell going after saints, it's because that saint is leading a charge and doing damage to the kingdom of hell. And all hell can do is tempt, lie, accuse, slander, gossip, 
get people to backbite, get people into division, get people offended by their own filthy, stinking, demonic pride, and it just takes people out. So you need to learn how to be better soldiers instead of taking people out. Listen, I don't even join the accuser in accusing any man or woman because that man or woman, no matter how wicked they are, the worst case scenario is Song of Songs chapter 8, you become the, your prisoner of love. Yeah, every one of them. I'll put them in prison. Yeah, they're evil. They're wicked. Good. Put them in a prison of love. Song of Solomon chapter 8. They have become our prisoners of love. Worst case scenario, you go into the prison of love, which is like a cage for animals in heaven, not hell, in heaven. You know about the prisons of hell, the jail cells of hell, what Satan and his demons have been doing to souls in hell for millions of years, <laughs> for eternity, outside of time, in the realm of hell, tortured continuously. How about we take those prisoners, those disobedient, do you realize if you stop agreeing with the accuser, you can put them in the prisons of heaven? Do you know how they got into hell? By the saints' accusations. By beating each other up. I have given you all the authority over the enemy, even the authority to forgive sin. Scripture says Jesus Christ to his apostles and his disciples. So a person's sin condemns them, takes them to hell. That was a lack of Christian maturity in that generation. You are the jail cell keepers of heaven and hell. If the saints are accusational, the generation goes to hell. And for instance, well, they deserve it. You deserve it. You're a hypocrite. You have yet to learn the new covenant and the priesthood of Melchizedek that only ministers from the throne of grace. Are you saying everyone's going to hell? I'm saying you have the possibility. Everyone's going to heaven, universalism. I'm saying you have the possibility of coming into the priesthood of Jesus Christ to change the earth and its dimensions. Revelation says we actually grow up into that place of maturity and hell is cast out of the center of the earth into a different dimension further and further away from the planet. Now we're not there yet, but this is the kind of teaching and preaching that will grow in our hearts and produce that in the future in Jesus' name. <laughs> removing hell. What is removing hell? Removing the power of the law. The law is hypocrisy. Moses didn't obey his law. So they had to kill him. <laughs> what is the new covenant? Grace, truth, love. Do we have cities of grace, truth, and love? We're getting there. The transition out of law into grace is the transition over the fallen angels' leadership in the nation to the sons of God's leadership in the nation. That is why the whole earth is shaking right now. That's the transition period you are in right now from hell's leadership using the law and all your government, all the legalism of the fallen angels, the accuser of the brethren, is the lawyer and only uses the law, even only uses the Bible, to accuse the saints night and day. Remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan? Satan only used the Bible against Jesus. Satan is only using the Bible against all of you right now. Every accusation of every high-ranking demon in hell in the courts of the heavens is using the scriptures against you. That's not the purpose of the scriptures. But because of a lack of grace in our Christianity, the scriptures are not used to liberate, but to incarcerate. So we need priests of the new covenant to stand up in the maturity of grace <laughs> and to be defenders of the nations who are undeserving of the floods of grace that will gush from their hearts. 
called the champions of the nations. Nahum chapter 1, out of Zion the saviors will come. These are actual saviors, the leaders of Joel's armies, the Nazarites of the new wine, that come and bring floods of grace so that all the accusations of the law that wage war against your finances, that wage war against your health, that wage war against your bloodlines are dissolved. All the witchcraft prayers, all the wickedness of every word working against you. Jesus said, your words will be your judges. My God, I don't want the words of the accuser to be my judges, do you? I don't want the words of my gossipers and slanderers to be my judges. He says, words are your judges. You are currently in your soul, in your flesh, being judged by words. What is the condition of your soul? Are you poor? Are you rich? Are you blessed? Are you happy? Are you poor and miserable? Are you good or bad? What is the condition? Are you sick? Are you healthy? All of those conditions of every experience on earth is because of words. Are you sane or are you crazy? Because the words change the words change the experience. By the word of his grace that's able to sanctify you and set apart for you the inheritance for those who have been sanctified, the book of Acts says, so that there's a sanctification of the word of grace. What is it removing? The word of the law. You have the word of grace from the kingdom of heaven, and you have the word of the law from the kingdom of hell. And most Christians have a mixture of both. So they have good days, bad days, up and down, roller coaster ride, emotions up, emotions down, still controlled by external elements and powers. He who's in the world. And they haven't become rock solid pillars controlled by grace. He who's in you. That is the discipleship of the gospel, the discipleship of the new wine, that the greater one in you stands up in grace and overcomes all the accuser's use of the law in the courtrooms of heaven. In Jesus' mighty name. <laughs> Glory. So, you heard of an oil change. What we need is a grace change. The oil itself is grace. The wine itself is grace. The glory is grace. The cloud is grace. The joy is grace. There is no one happier than he who constantly experiences an ever-increasing grace. Getting what you don't deserve, knowing that you've lived a bad life, and then receiving light in the areas of darkness from God's throne is what makes your souls happy. The restoration of the joy of salvation is, really, there's more grace? But I haven't lived perfectly after I filled my entire soul with the knowledge of the Bible? I haven't done all these things you've asked me to do in the Word, and you're still going to just explode in me with light and love and liquid glory? Every day, ever-increasing grace. Glory to glory. Not based on you, based on Him and the Lamb that was slain. Meaning, you can't mess it up unless you get into the enemy's lies. You cannot mess up your salvation. Jesus saved you. You never saved you. You simply let Jesus into you. Now, if the accuser, the liar, the father of lies comes in and says something about you, try to earn your keep, try to earn your salvation, here's all the formulas and you get back into the law, well, that's not Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the spirit of grace, the Bible says. So you're getting back into Satan after you're born again, and that's why some people become really bitter. Remember, Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt, representing bitterness because she got into religion after she encountered grace. She was delivered out of Sodom by the word of grace, turned around, went back in to Sodom, and turned into a pillar of salt. Meaning, if you let God's grace work in you daily, you will grow in the joy of salvation. Where we get screwed up is when he who's in the world comes and pressure tests all the weak points in us. 
often with lust, definitely all the time with pride and knowledge and all this temptation that comes upon us. And then you screw up. You're like, well, man, how do I get back into God now? I feel separated from God. That dry place reveals the condition of your depravity and how much you need him. If you know that his stance towards you is always love because the, the lamb has been slain once and for all and that there is a river of unconditional grace always towards your heart no matter your actions, then Satan can never seize you in life no matter what you go through. No matter if you have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and everyone around you is in an orgy, everyone around you is in pornography, everyone around you is in drugs and alcohol and revelry, you have to walk through that and it stains your garment because you know his face towards you is love and grace. It will wash you constantly and you can make it through and out of anything that's in the world. Hell does not have enough stain power for God's bleach. Not possible. I've tested this 100,000 times. There is no sin that could ever stain your garments if you know God's face towards your soul. If you understand the river flowing through the throne of God and the Lamb, and Jesus died so that it would always flow towards you no matter what you fall into in life, you can always get washed. You'll make it. And you'll never fall for very long. You might fall for a couple days. You might have a dry spell for a couple weeks. But you remember, remember God's love towards you and how the river flows. Because everyone's going to screw up. <laughs> but if you know his attitude and you know his river and you know why Jesus died and the lamb is slain in the midst of the throne so that the blood and the water is always available to wash you from anything you go through in this world. You can keep growing through all the filth and decadence of the fallen angels in this world. And you must, because there's nothing else here. God has provided a sacrificial lamb to raise us up from the worst sins of all time in this generation. There has never been lust like this. There has never been pride like this, because there's never been knowledge like this. The only substance the Bible says puffs up with pride is knowledge. You're in the information age. That's why it's Babylon the Great. People are the maximum, most prideful, fallen angel-like beings right now of all time. In the past, people were humble because they didn't have their high school education. They didn't have college education. Now, because of education and knowledge, especially religious knowledge, we're the most prideful we've ever been as a humanity. And guess what? That does not change the throne towards you, even though you've come to the full extent of the fallen angel's pride as a human race. In fact, you are in prime opportunity and position to get saved. <laughs> so that the worse your condition from the world corrupting your soul with the fallen angel lies is the more glory that will flood you when you awaken. Luke 7, 47, whoever's forgiven much, loves much. So humanity will be forgiven much. What's the evidence? The second coming is like a flood of forgiveness. The flood of the second coming is the washing of the living water of his love. The lake of fire is the lake of love. And this love torments demons, but the souls will rejoice. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads the nations to repentance. This will be such goodness and such a flood of love and joy and peace. But we need saints to rise up in these extreme levels of grace. And we're getting there. You need extreme grace. <laughs> You need grace like a flood. Why? Because that's what changes people's minds. Goodness, grace, them receiving mercy instead of condemnation and judgment from Christians is what softens hearts. They expect punishment, but you give them the radiance of his grace, the radiance of love, and it melts their heart, and they experience God, and they become believers. 
We need saints to walk in that level of glory and love and grace unconditionally. Literally, the very throne of God and the Lamb risen in your heart so that no behavior around you can change your attitude. You cannot be manipulated by people's sin and darkness. Jesus couldn't. Why don't you condemn this woman caught in the act of adultery? Because uh, the Father in me is pouring out like a river of love. Writing in the sand, love. That's right. Full of the sins of the earth, but one person's full of the righteousness of the Father, the love of the Father. God is love. And it just washed the prostitution away. It washed the adultery and the murder. It washed the murder out of the murderers, and it washed the adultery out of the adulterers. Simply by releasing the Father's love in one act of mercy. Isn't that wild? So the accusers got cleansed. And the accused. The knowledge of good, the accuser, and the knowledge of evil, the accused both washed in the glory of his love. That's what Christianity is. It washes away the accusation of the law, which is the knowledge of good, and it washes away the, the accused under the law, which is the knowledge of evil. Both get sanctified. Both get washed. That's what real divine love always does to every soul. Amen. He gives grace to the humble. So this season, we're going deeper in the death of humility of the Lamb of God on the throne of grace within our hearts, within our spirits. Unlimited humility. There's no depth you won't go to to save you by pouring out unlimited grace in Jesus' name. Jesus we are unlimited anointing, unlimited grace for the hearers of the sound of our voices. We release grace to you. We decree your sins are forgiven. We wash, we cleanse. Let him without sin cast the first stone. Let all the accusers be forgiven today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. I just see the prisons of the fallen angels melting. All the dungeons of Satan and hell melt when you and I begin walking in love and grace. The gospel is the set, the captives free. The captivity of the gloomy dungeons that the law has put them in. And the fallen angels enforce that law. So we need enforcers of grace to melt the chains of the accuser off of every heart. And then we'll have great awakening. Amen. Sow into that word of grace and be blessed. Partner with Red Letter Ministries this month of October. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray you tell every listener and viewer an amount that they can give into this ministry for the increase of Red Letter Ministries in the nations. In Jesus' name, and let your grace... Help them obey. Amen. I'll see you guys tomorrow.